I know that so many women who listen to our show are either close to or in menopause and are starting to experience changes in their skin, weight, and sleep. As an internal medicine doctor and a woman in my 40s, I know the importance of women optimizing their health during this hormonal transition through options like bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Our brand new sponsor, Winona, is here to help women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Winona is the home for physician-prescribed bioidentical hormone replacement therapy with an easy-to-use network of doctors based in your state who can make getting started with HRT increase. Winona's bioidentical HRT is made from plant-based hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it aligns with your body's natural rhythm to often release from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code SKINREPORT by winona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash SKINREPORT. Skincare can sometimes feel overwhelming. Whether it's finding the right products, ingredients, or treatments, there's a lot out there. But not always for people of African, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, and East and South Asian descent. That's why I set out to educate myself and others so that we can all feel beautiful in our skin. Hello and welcome back to The Skin Report. I'm Dr. Simran Sethi, an internal medicine doctor, mom of three, and CEO and founder of RenewMD Medical Spas and Skin by Dr. Sethi. On this episode, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to interview Dr. Anil Rama, a neurologist who is an expert in sleep medicine and the special guest of today's show. Dr. Rama is the founder and medical director of Saratoga Sleep and Brain and previously developed and led Kaiser Permanente's tertiary sleep medicine laboratory and serves as adjunct clinical faculty at the Stanford Center for Sleep Sciences and Medicine. He also authored the book, Shut Up and Sleep, which provides a unique look at how our breathing impacts our sleep and leads readers on the path to better sleep and better health. Today, we're going to learn how healthy sleep can benefit our skin and improve our overall wellness. Dr. Rama, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. You have spent your entire career focusing on sleep health. What prompted you to pursue this area of study? Thank you, Dr. Bethy, for first of all, for welcoming me to the podcast. I was doing a rotation in sleep medicine as this part of my usual uh, residency and fellowship at Stanford. And one thing that struck me was how universal sleep was, how it had a profound effect on every aspect of human health and, and well-being. And that's truly unique. And I can't really say that that was uh, what I experienced elsewhere. It seems like there's a strong link between sleep and almost, you know, 
almost any chronic disease. There were so many technological advancements that were occurring at the time, the possibility of preventing uh, health problems by improving sleep. This is 20 some years ago, and uh, I, it's interesting that same things are still happening now. The United States has a very strong work culture, and we kind of work around the clock. And I think the importance of understanding sleep health, I think it's even more important now. You see a lot of people, of course, in your practice with um, sleep issues. What function of sleep do you find to be most influential to our overall wellness? Is it the length of time people are sleeping, the quality of sleep, the time at which they're sleeping? And when I say that, I'm referring to nighttime workers. Uh, you know, some people work night shift and, and they sleep during the day. Are, are any of these factors important or more important in overall wellness? I look at it a little bit differently. I look at what could be the most important aspects of sleep. What does sleep contribute to your well-being? So when you sleep, it's important for your memory consolidation. You, you form memories, you stabilize memories, and that's what we need to learn and retain information. And, and also, it's linked to our cognitive functions and decision-making. Uh, you know, we need good sleep to, for attention and to be able to solve problems and, and just make wise uh, decisions in life. Probably more importantly for most people is the emotional regulation. If you don't sleep well, you know, you're, you have mood disturbances, you're more stressed, uh, your ability to regulate yourself, you know, your emotions, it declines. And then there's the ability to just, you know, like there's the more physiologic, like sleep regulates your hormones. Uh, and these hormones affect your appetite, your stress, your metabolism. In those ways, I think that's what I find the most important aspect of sleep and health. Right. And we've all heard the term beauty sleep. Do you think there is any scientific evidence to back that up? And I, I know that probably there, there aren't probably uh, things that directly address beauty sleep. But what I mean is the effects of lack of sleep or poor sleep on organs like the skin. Yes. I tell my patients that if we don't fix your sleep, you're going to age more. You're going to look older you know, before you're, you know, and you're going to look beyond your stated age. So when you have poor sleep, it does impact the skin. And I think it's often overlooked. And the skin is the body's largest organ. And, you know, people don't normally think of that. In what ways does poor sleep affect your skin? Number one, it, it can, like I said, it lead to more accelerated aging. During sleep is when you restore yourself and you repair yourself. During slow-wave sleep is when you produce growth hormone, and growth hormone helps restore and, and rebuild the body, including the skin. And, you know, when you have sleep fragmentation or insufficient sleep, you just don't get slow-wave sleep you otherwise would. That may lead to wrinkles and, and sagging skin. Sleep is also important for, you know, the skin barrier functions, you know, so if, if you don't get good sleep, you can be vulnerable to external toxins and you can lose moisture through the skin. It's almost like mouth breathing. You can dehydrate, almost like skin breathing. You can kind of lose your moisture through the skin. Anyway, sleep deprivation, you know, weakens the skin barrier, so to speak, and can lead to dryness, and, and you lose your elasticity, and, and it's more sensitive. If you don't sleep well, it, it increases the 
stress hormones, you know, like I feel like there's, you know, there's, there's cortisol, the stress hormones, or anything that diminishes sleep or impacts sleep will increase your cortisol levels. And that can lead to, you know, oiliness, you know, acne breakouts, exacerbating, you know, psoriasis, eczema. And we've all, you know, we've all had that experience where we're stressed out and we break out. And then the other thing that sleep does is we've all noticed a person with puffy eyes, dark circles around their eyes. You know, that's usually due to poor circulation. That's the skin under the eye, by the thinnest skin in the body. And the blood vessels are pretty apparent. So when there is fluid cooling up there and maybe not draining into the nose, you can't see those dark circles in the eyes, which obviously don't make you look good. Like I said, nighttime is the time to restore and repair. You know, during the daytime, it's all these UV light and pollution and who not, who knows what. And then at night, that's when you're, you give your, uh, you're, 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 just like your brain cleanses itself, you know, for the lymphatic clearance system, for amyloid and tau, your skin cleanses itself at night. And I think the last thing I probably want to mention is probably the collagen. Sleep is it's important for collagen production. It, you know, gives your collagen what gives your skin firmness and, you know, and elasticity. And, you know, and if you keep depriving yourself of sleep, it can reduce your collagen. Obviously, that would lead to little fine lines and wrinkles and whatnot. When you were describing all of this, you, you could almost become an aesthetic doctor because um, you pointed out exactly the same thing that I actually typically talk about in my podcast or explain to my patients about the importance of skin barrier function, the importance of rest at appropriate times, because our skin, like you already pointed out, was uh, that has a circadian rhythm. And just like the other organs in our body at nighttime, it goes into repair mode. And, and that's why we actually use certain skincare products at night versus in the morning, because at night, our skin and, you know, just like our entire body is, is regrowing and, and doing other things. You also mentioned the importance of stress hormones and high cortisol levels leading to signs of skin aging. Do you find that there are certain age groups that have a greater tendency to have increased cortisol levels because of lack of sleep. I'm thinking back into my years as a medical student or an, or a college student and then a medical student and then a mom and now a professional. And I feel that um, if I sleep less now versus when I was younger, I could still, you know, kind of um, spring back into the day and um, probably look pretty decent, but I don't think my body can handle that now. Do you think that's cortisol or, or, or do you find that to be typical of most people you see? The skin's the largest organ we mentioned, and I really don't think it's that much different than the brain, you know, which I focus on. I'll just use an example, like the first time you forget where your keys are and you start showing signs of Alzheimer's, but that process started 20 years ago, you know, when you started gathering amyloid and, and attacking the cells and you know, later the tau. Isn't there some, I'm not a skin expert, but isn't most of your sun exposure before the age of 18, but you don't get the cancer until later and the wrinkles and whatnot. So, and the same thing with sleep apnea, a lot of patients, you know, have tonsillectomies, tonsillitis as a kid and ear infections and whatnot. And, but they may not do that until they're 45, 50 years old to the doctor's office for, for, you know, frank apnea. 
So I think the processes start at a very young age, but no one sees it, you know, so maybe you lose the baby fat in your face and that's when you start seeing the sunken cheeks and, and whatnot, but that may not happen until your 20s. So I think the answer to your question is, yeah, I think you just start early, but you have a reserve. And as you get older, you lose that reserve and then the deficiencies manifest themselves. What lifestyle changes do you think people can make to improve their quality? Proper sleep hygiene, as they call it, is always, you know, it's always helpful. Try to go to, you know, have a consistent sleep schedule, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, and even on the weekends if possible. That'll help regulate your body's internal clock. Make sure the environment is good. You know, your body typically cools down before it goes to bed, and then somewhere in the middle of the night it starts to warm out. But anyway, you can just make sure your bedroom is quiet, dark. You can eat blackout curtains, great, you know, earplugs, white noise machines. You want to, you know, limit screen time before bed. Remember the hunting and gatherers, they slept outside, you know, and under the moon and, you know, it was cool and they had a little bit of light and as the sun would rise gently and they usually slept on a thin, thin, super thin blanket, if anything at all, and their head was minimally propped up. Most of the time, I'm guessing they didn't eat heavy meals and, and drink caffeine and alcohol before bedtime, right? Good physical activity. If you exercise well, especially in the morning, you don't want to do it too close to bedtime because after you work out intensely, your heart rate can stay elevated for hours. So you don't want to be doing that close to bedtime. It'll keep you awake. And then relax before you go to bed. Read, take a warm bath like an hour or two before. That'll cool you down before you go to bed. And then if you want to meditate and rid your stress in, in any way you can and, and, and avoid naps during the day. Anyway, those are the basic sleep hygiene things. I'm sure you can, people can Google that. Does the time you go to sleep matter? So is it better to go to sleep early or does it even matter? Because if you go to sleep late and wake up late and still get the same number of hours. In general, you should go to sleep when you're sleepy and wake up when you're not sleepy. And, you know, there's the people have normal cycles. Then there's the, you know, the night owls that like to go to bed late and wake up late. Then you got the early morning you know, the larks, I guess, right? And they like to go to bed early and wake up early. They've actually shown some data where the night owls actually are a little more prone to various maybe health issues versus the larks. But in general, as long as you go to bed and you sleep seven to eight hours, seven, seven and a half hours, and you wake up feeling refreshed, I think you're good. I mean, I don't want to be nitpicky and say it should be at a certain time. But if you can sleep a consolidated period of time and feel refreshed, and not feel like you need to take a nap during the day, I think that's healthy. Uh, what time do you go to bed? I aim for 10.30, but it ends up being like 11, 11.30. <laughs> yeah, and what time do you wake up? I wake up at 6.30 every morning. And does it matter what time you go to bed, or you just naturally wake up at 6.30? If the alarm wakes you up, that means you're pretty tired. If you wake up before the alarm, that means you're probably getting enough sleep. So... I think the alarm usually wakes me up, <laughs> so I need to get more sleep. I actually have exactly the same schedule as you. The alarm does wake me up, but I never thought of it as um, that means that I should be sleeping longer, I guess. Yes, sadly. Yeah, that's right. Are you battling issues like hyperpigmentation, rough, parched skin, or persistent acne? These could be indicators of a compromised skin barrier. 
Hello, Skin Report fans. I'm thrilled to share an exclusive offer on our Glass Skin Trio Pack. For our devoted podcast audience, we're providing a special discount on our cherished trio, the glycolic gel, vitamin E and F serum, and hyaluronic acid. Simply visit skinbydrsethi.com and apply the promo code GLASSTRIO25 to receive 25% off on the Glass Skin Trio. Once more, that's Glass Trio 25 for 25% off our comprehensive trio designed to gently exfoliate, deeply hydrate, and effectively moisturize your skin. You talked about people who tend to sleep a little later, maybe some data suggesting that maybe a little more, um, a few more chronic conditions. Do you have any particular data on people who are night shift workers, the ones who actually are sleeping during the day because they work at night and health in general? They're completely debilitated most of the time because rarely do those individuals work seven days a week. No one works seven days a week. So what typically happens is they have to do this night shift for five days a week, let's just say. And then for the other two days, they're, they may not sleep in that same cycle. And you know, your body has these cycles and it learns these cycles. It can be retaught in certain ways, right? But it's very confusing to the body to be releasing hormones at a certain time and then suddenly shift to a different time when they've changed their schedule. Night shift workers are typically chronically sleep deprived because they, you know, they work at night, they wake up, and they usually don't get that full sleep because it's the middle of the day. And they just, they're, typically sleep deprived and as a result they you know they usually have mood disturbances they can be in a, in unfocused inattentive they can be you know, depressed or sad they can have anxiety and worry about things and they can have reduced mental acuity and be forgetful you know they try to mitigate this by you know changing the type of light people use at work at night and whatnot to keep them more focused but it's just not a win-win situation even if you could do it seven nights a week and keep it steady, you may be able to train the, you know, your body to do that in some way. But there is this circadian rhythm that's built in that kind of goes again. So in any case, it's not an ideal situation. I have to say in my um, practice in aesthetics, what I've found very interesting is that there are quite a few younger people, men and women in their um, late 20s, mid 30s coming in with, I would say, more age related skin and hair issues that we would not expect in their age group. And something that's exceedingly common, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I practice and where you practice, is the fact that many people work remotely and they work with teams around the world. So I've noticed that people will come in with um, issues with excess acne, and this is in their mid twenties, late twenties, which which is a, typically a period where we wouldn't expect, you know, skin issues. A lot of issues with hair loss related to stress, and the most common thing I hear is, "Well, I work during the day here because I'm local. I'm in the U.S., but then I have teams in India or China, and I'm on a call with them and." 3 a.m. or work with them from 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. Even if you're not a night shift worker, you know, worker, quote unquote, if you're, I think, in, in an industry where there are remote workers or teams in other countries, this, this can really be a problem. And I think it's more common 
and we can see the effects of that on our, uh, you know, hair and and skin even more now in, in in younger people. Yeah, I think there's two things to point out, two different categories. One is that you said the entire, you know, like lifestyle of modern, at least American society and maybe international society, who knows, is sleep deprivation. We're all staying up late. We're, and the internet has made us connected. So now we're taking calls at four in the morning or we're taking calls with India at 8 p.m. at night, you know, who knows, right? Asia. And for that, that's highly disrupting to your sleep. And the second thing is, just from a different perspective, all the processed foods we eat, all the, um, the allergens that we have by living indoors and whatnot, you know, like the abnormal lifestyle or uh, the surroundings, the environment we have and what we imbibe have negatively affected our sleep. So it's a double whammy. Not only has our sleep been disrupted in terms of getting good consolidated sleep, it's the quality of sleep is being impacted as well. And so combined with that, you know, your skin can't repair itself and renew itself, as I said, which happens during sleep. Your cortisol levels are almost always elevated, which, you know, ruins, you know, you can cause acne, your melatonin production, which, you know, which usually should be, you know, higher at night, maybe, maybe you don't get as much and, and then you don't get the blood flow to your skin, you know, at night is when you're in the fight or flight response, uh, the blood goes to your, you know, your core, right? And then you're ready to do anything. And then when you're in the rest and digest, the parasympathetic nervous system, everything goes out to the extremity. You know, you'd expect all the blood flow to go towards your skin and blood heals. That's the whole premise of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, right? Carrying more oxygen in your blood. And if you're not going to get that blood to your skin, you're just not going to, you know, anyway. And why would that not happen? Well, you don't get as much rest in the digestive parasympathetic nervous system. When we're sleeping and we're repairing, its goal is to prioritize um, organs like the brain and the heart. So unfortunately, even though the skin gives us all our protection and makes us look healthy, it's probably the least prioritized when it, uh, you know, when it comes to repair. So like you said, the less sleep you have or the more trouble that sleep is or the likelihood of your skin getting attention for all of that repair and restoration from your body, is it, it, it's going to reduce. Do you ever wonder why no matter how many products you put on your skin, your skin still appears dull and uneven? You may be struggling with skin barrier damage. Hi, I'm Dr. Simran Sethi, and I developed my own skincare line that specifically heals and repairs damaged skin barriers, especially for darker skin tones. And I want to tell you about a special offer for our skin barrier repair bundle. As a podcast listener, you can now get a unique discount on our popular Retinol Lipid Complex, Ultra Glow Moisturizer, and our ENF Serum. All you need to do is go to skinbydrsethi.com and use the promo code SKINBARRIER20 for 20% off when purchasing this bundle. Again, that's SKINBARRIER20 for 20% off our Skin Barrier Repair Bundle, which includes our Retinol, Moisturizer, and our Vitamin ENF Serum. You can also find the link in our show notes. Is there such a thing as too much sleep to the point where it can have negative implications on your health? Uh, yes, there's a bimodal, I guess, graph for sleep. Your increased risk of morbidity, which just means 
more bad things can happen to you if you sleep too little, which we all can kind of imagine. But similarly, you know, more bad things can happen when you sleep too much. People who sleep fewer than six hours a night are probably at a, you know, disadvantage in terms of health. But people who probably consistently sleep more than nine hours at night are also at a disadvantage. And I don't know if they really sorted out exactly why. There could be, you know, there could be a reason why perhaps maybe something is wrong with your sleep as to why you're sleeping too little or too much. And, and that's absolutely part of the case. I don't know if it's just the actual act of sleeping that much. I don't know if they really sorted that out. If more sleep is like, you know, just like water is good, but too much water can be toxic. <laughs> you know, so in that sense, both are bad. And you want to just stay in that range of six to nine hours, I think, you know, somewhere loosely in that range. Okay. Are there people who just, just naturally tend to sleep longer and, and that's healthy for them? But you, you're saying that about nine is sort of the cutoff for it being considered healthy and natural. It's rare people who they're, they're short sleepers and they're long sleepers. It's rare. But once you get to 11 hours of sleep at night, you actually go into this condition called idiopathic hypersomnia. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is maybe that 9 to 10 range or 9 to 11 range hours could be this borderline, you know, like maybe it can be the normal range. Just kind of need more, I suppose. But that's, that's unusual. But now I'm not talking about recovery sleep. I'm not saying, oh, okay, you're sleep deprived. Long weeks you up every day during the week. And then on the weekend, you sleep for 11 hours. That's fine. I'm talking someone on a regular basis. Need nine plus hours is a little unusual. Okay. I would imagine that that would also interfere with, you know, functions like work and study and so forth. Yeah. I mean, it's also age related to like, if you're younger, obviously you need more sleep, but I'm assuming we're talking right just a, a regular adult. Exactly. And I'm going to shift my conversation to more about products related to sleep and sleep health. This one is a little more beauty related. So in recent years, many companies have been advertising special pillows that are supposed to reduce fine lines and wrinkles that form when you sleep. And most of these products work by keeping you on your back while you're sleeping so that you don't turn as much if you're a side sleeper. Or if you do turn, your face is going to have a lot of pressure on it that would lead to wrinkles. When I'm assessing someone's face, I can tell what if they're a side sleeper or not, and which side they tend to sleep on, because that side of the face is compressed for, you know, you can imagine six or eight hours. And um, that side of the face will have deeper lines, especially in um, areas around the mouth, the nasolabial folds and around the eyes. When it comes to these special kind of pillows, do you think they actually help with sleep itself? Or are there any other gadgets on the market that if somebody did have trouble sleeping, that you truly think have the data that they're, they're worthy to invest? I mean, gosh, that's such an interesting point you're bringing up, Dr. Sethi. Well, first of all, yes, pillows can help you, I suppose, stay youthful looking. Sleeping in certain positions, as you mentioned, you know, like your side or whatnot, and it can lead to sleep lines or wrinkles over time, right? And there are pillows that do, you know, help you mitigate that. They can maybe help keep you on your back and this way you have fewer 
lines on your face. And those are, you know, those are positional pillows. I will say one thing that's interesting that, that I never heard of anyone that could tell which side someone sleeps on based upon how they look. I'm actually going to pay attention to that. I really find that fascinating. And I can tell you one thing, maybe going one point beyond what you just mentioned, you said you can tell when someone is sleeping on one side based on how they look. We usually see people sleeping on one side for a particular reason. So for instance, if someone has a blocked nose on the right, okay, if someone, usually people have some type of deviated septum. Let's say your septum is deviated or you've got a large terminal, who knows what, and you're always kind of plugged up on one side of your nose, let's say your right side of your nose. Almost always the person sleeps on the same side that their nose is plugged up. Because if they sleep on the opposite side, so if your right side of your nose is always clogged, if you sleep on your left side, you are now going to clog your left side and you won't breathe at all. It's interesting. If you do see someone, I'm just pointing this out, with wrinkles or whatever you're noticing, you know, that shows that they're consistently sleeping on one side, I can almost guarantee that they have some type of nasal and anatomic abnormality causing them to sleep on that side. That makes so much sense. And and you're right. And that's actually, I mean, in your field, that's actually one of the things that you assess for is there the sort of the anatomical reasons why they're, they're, um, people don't have optimal sleep and the effects of that on their brain. Is that correct? Right. Things don't happen for just by chance. You don't choose to sleep on your right side or left side or whatnot. You typically do it for a reason, whether you realize it or not. I would love to have you on the show again to talk actually specifically about, um, sleep and brain function because I because I know that's probably the majority of actually what you do because that's a very fascinating conversation. Also something that many, many people and many doctors don't know a lot about. It's something that you've done a lot of research on. But thank you so much for our conversation today and giving all the scientific and expert evidence on sleep and how it relates to our aesthetics, our beauty, aging, and overall health. Dr. Rama, if any of our listeners want to find you, how would they do that? Go to my website, sleep and, and spelled out, brain, B-R-A-I-N.com, sleepandbrain.com. On the contact page, that's my cell phone, so I'm pretty easy to reach out to. That is very rare to find, but, but wonderful to know. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Sethi. Thank you all, as always, for listening to this episode of the Skin Report Podcast. And until next time, love your skin, love yourself, and celebrate your beauty. If you'd like to learn more about science-backed skincare or medical aesthetic treatments, please subscribe to and turn on notifications for the Skin Report so you always know when a new episode is up. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for on skinbydrsethi.com so that you can stay up to date on all our latest products and more. Additionally, if you have a skincare question or want to make an episode topic recommendation, please message me at the skin report by drsethi.com, which is linked in my show notes, and I'll be sure to answer your question in an episode soon.